Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So today's guest, it, it, was, it took me a while to kind of figure out, you know, I always give someone a particular nickname and, and I'm looking at her background and I'm like, she used to work for RCA, like that's crazy. And she worked for RCA like back in the day. When we talk about back, we're talking about like the, the 80s back in the day. And then I'm like reading her bio and I'm like archery and then realizing like it's not just her pulling a bow and an arrow, like she really dove into archery to, to a whole nother level. So we're going to talk about that. But I'm going to deem her the connector boss. And the reason for that is just the way we got connected. We got connected through Podmatch and we got on a, a virtual coffee and we're having a conversation and we're exchanging information and we're talking. And then she sounded like a really good networker. And I was like, well, you should try networking at this group. And she was like, yeah, okay. I'm like, when do you meet? Blah, 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 blah. And we're talking. And then I'm like, yeah. And she's like, what's the name of the group? And I was like, success champion. She was like, Donnie. And I was like, yeah. And it was like this whole moment of both of us just laughing. It's like, how small can the world possibly be? So without further ado, Laura, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you, about you and what we're talking about today? Well, thank you for the new um, hashtag there. I'm going to definitely own Connector Boss. That's that's a fun piece. That, so thank you for that. Um, I absolutely love connecting people. And that's one of the things that drove me to establishing my business, 30 Second Success, happened to... Step out of corporate America. Yes, you mentioned RCA. That was in my baby days, right out of college, worked for them. They were an amazing company to work for. Went to work for a big corporation in New Jersey for about 10 years, then came home to be a stay-at-home mom. Found myself in that arena of, you know, how do I contribute to the household? How do I have adult conversations while my hubby's at work? Mm-hmm. And started using networking as part of my marketing strategy when I stepped into a direct sales position. You know, 15 years later, found that a lot of the things that I learned in that personal development and personal growth, professional growth mode of direct sales and all things that you learn when you're in that arena of networking, getting to know people and just soaking in all the brilliance of the people that you come in contact with. I had stepped into a leadership role in one of the networking organizations that I belong to, found that people were struggling to communicate effectively who they are in 30 seconds or less launched my business by helping the people in my group and then being discovered by other people who wanted me to come and speak to their groups. Came home one day and said to my husband, I know what I'm going to do next. And he's like, wow, people really going to pay you for that? I'm like, they already are. So, you know, life, life just takes us through so many different amazing adventures and we learn from each and every one of us and it helps us get to our next level, our next step, what's next. And I think the power of the people that you put behind you the people that you hang with, the people that you run with, that's what creates the momentum that you're looking for when you are growing a business. And that's what I love sharing with people from stage, from my book, from, you know, workshops that I do. It's just an incredible opportunity to help people understand the value of being a very good connector. 
Very, very, very cool. I mean, obviously you're a connector, but I would say you have some branding and you have a design background as well, too. So I want to talk about like your your current brand, your current company. And if anyone's looking at the video right now behind her, her head, she has like a stopwatch and it's 30 seconds is has ran its its time. And that's essentially your brand, right? You're you're a 30 second success success. I mean, so let's talk about like, how did you come up with that brand name and, and what does that really mean for your target audience? Well, I think the brand name really came out of that necessity for helping people understand that 30 seconds and the critical moment of that 30 second message. And the idea behind it is is really being successful in attracting the right people to have a deeper conversation with you. It's not necessarily about attracting your ideal client in the moment. Mm -hmm. It's about attracting more opportunities to have conversations, deeper conversations with the people that you're meant to communicate with. Right. So 30 second success is part of the brand, the visual, you know, that graphic background that I have and and just really came everything just kind of came into play. Years ago, I was uh, at a networking event where there was a, a wonderful speaker who spoke about your brand, your visual brand. She talked about your logo, your website, your even just as a speaker or somebody who's out in public, you know, what are the colors that you're wearing? Your brand is part of who you are and what you're portraying to the world, right? So when I was looking at my brand colors, all of that came into play. What's the color of success? What's the color of money? What do people want? How does all that work together? And then what are complementary colors? So you know, kind of diving down the rabbit hole of bringing my graphic background, my my designer background into play with it, but being a very visual person and knowing what communicates well mm-hmm. on a visual level helped me to solidify that brand and, you know, just make it more impactful and memorable, right? Mm-hmm. Your brand is so important when it comes to being memorable. I love the background that you have in your podcast because Yes, it it sticks with you. You know, all, all your Star Wars fans are loving on it. And yep. but at the same time, there's so many unique messages that are behind you right now. It shows that you're an artist, it shows that you're an author, it brings the colors you have, you know, you've got the branding down pat when it comes to your logo being on the clothing that you wear. All of that plays into it. Mm-hmm. The benefit of having that visual lends itself to the verbal communications piece. And that's something that I've been talking about a lot lately, how the verbal message really becomes that pivotal piece for everything that you're creating, including your visual brand. And it just, it makes such an impact when everything is tied together. What you're saying ties to what you're showing. It, It ties everything together. You see, I pulled you down that rabbit hole because, like, I'm just looking at your background, I'm looking at your history, and I'm like, yo, she's a designer at heart. Like, she appreciates branding. Yes, she's a coach. Yes, she's a mentor. Yes, she's a business strategist. But at your core, I was like, yo, she's she's a brander. She's a designer all day, and you just proved me right. But just by the way you exude the passion for it. So, if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? Oh, um, I think the biggest piece, it's creative communicator. Hmm. Hmm. That's really cool. So I don't even need three to five. It's, it's really that creative communicator. And I think that's, you know, bringing that creativity into conversation, create, you know, creating the visual impact, 
that then lends to a deeper conversation. That's the the power that becomes, hmm. you know, behind the work that I do. So, I mean, talking about like visual communication and we're talking about branding and you're talking about having 30 seconds and you're talking about your messaging, I would think all of these kind of overlap, right? I mean, all of these are like like a ball of energy waiting to explode for, for that particular business. So let's say I'm coming to you, right? And I'm telling you that I have this idea and I'm saying, I think my messaging is this. I think my visual is this. And I'm just throwing up everything on you. What is like your steps and procedures to kind of guide me in that right direction? Like you're going to hold my hand and take me which way? So the first thing I always do with clients is who are you trying to attract to your business? Who's your ideal client? Let's dive into that and really figure out who it is that needs you. Not necessarily who you think needs you, but who really needs you, right? Diving in, I, I've, I've watched amazing clients go from you know, making a, a total pivot in who they realize that they're attracting to their business by really diving into and exploring who they've worked with in the past who they absolutely love working with. You know, if they could have a hundred of that same client day in and day out, who would it be? And nine times out of 10, their ideal client that they thought or their client avatar that we talk about, it isn't in alignment with who they really want to work with. Mm -hmm. Right. So once you have an idea of who it is that you want to work with, who you can help, who whose pain are you solving in the work that you are doing, your vision for your business becomes much more clear and you're so do your communications because then you can speak to those people in a whole different way right you get a lot deeper in the in the words that you're sharing you really bring your heart to the message because now you're realizing you're in love with these clients and you want them to succeed and that's the power behind understanding who your ideal client is on a very emotional level right what is driving them what's causing them to stay up at night, how are they struggling and how and understanding that you have a solution for them that they need to know about. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I'm listening to you and, and obviously, you know, I've, I've done my due diligence and I've watched some of your YouTube videos and I watched some of your speaking engagements. And it seems like you're a very big advocate for like women empowerment and teaching them and educating them in, in the space of understanding business and understanding branding. So let's talk about like the worst case scenario. And obviously, when you're talking to that area of expertise, you in in, in business, I think women have to fight a little bit harder than they, they need to or they should. So what's the worst experience that you've dealt with on your career journey as far as probably being discriminated against or being held back for promotions? And how did you overcome that? I think the biggest thing that um, women need to understand is they have to find their voice, right? They have to, you have to have that confidence in who you are and what you do. And and even when I've worked with in the corporate setting with my workshop work or my workforce marketing program, the biggest factor that plays into it is a lot of people, especially in the corporate environment, don't understand how to share it is what they do, share their brilliance with the world. How do they communicate that? When someone asks you, hey, how's things going? What are you working on? Most of the time, they want to talk about other people. They want to talk about the team members. They want to highlight other people because they don't want the spotlight on themselves. Mm -hmm. You need to take ownership of the work that you're doing and be able to communicate it effectively and say, hey, you know, here's, here's the strength. Here's what I'm bringing to the table. Here's something we've been struggling with and we've been working on it. These are some of the things that we discovered. And yet we're still in that discovery phase of the work that we're doing. 
had a young woman come to me one time and she said, you know, I literally walked onto an elevator with the CEO of my company and he asked me how things were going and I didn't know what to say to him. Mm. And she said, I had a great opportunity to make a deep connection with the founder and CEO of my company. And yet I did not know what to share with him. So, you know, teaching people how to, you know, keep a, keep a ledger of sorts in your head of all of your accomplishments or, you know, what are your current projects? What are you working on? Or a recent project that you had great success with and what was the result? Those are things that you can communicate, whether it's, you know, internally, whether you're out in the marketplace and, and you're networking with different organizations that are potential um, relational clients with your company. It's a great opportunity. But I think the biggest thing for women is the struggle of, of not wanting to sound boisterous or, you know, overly confident or braggadocious, you know, whatever word you want to use. And um, I, I find more women are finding their voice. It's just, and that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a big piece of it is helping people understand what you bring to the table. Yeah, I think I think you answered that phenomenally in, in the sense that, okay, like a, a PR professional is going to train someone for their 15 minutes of fame or help them create their 15 minutes of fame. And, and what you're saying is that you're helping people to be able to deliver on that opportunity when they have that 30 second window, when they're at the water cooler or they're in the elevator with the CEO of the company. And it's kind of like most of the times they're pulling their pockets inside out and they're like, I don't know what to say or how to even approach it. But you're teaching them and training them on capturing and growing that opportunity in that 30 seconds, turning that 30 second window into something. Is that not correct? Oh, absolutely. It's capturing the, capturing the moment is a beautiful way to express it. And I think that's the, the thing that we need to do is remember there's, there's always an opportunity to connect. And, and I think the, the ability to think of one another as just as human beings, mm. Right? We're all human beings. We all want to connect. We all are looking for a way to, to communicate on a level that touches us emotionally. It's so funny because when I worked in corporate America and I worked for a big bank up in Jersey City, my, I had a brand new boss and I got calls up to one of the executive offices. And I had known these executives for years, but he had just come on board, right? So he's, you know, very, very polite, very, you know, everything's professional. You shake hands, you sit down, you keep your mouth closed. You don't joke, nothing. I walk into Paul's office. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Paul gets up from his desk, comes over, gives me a big hug. Hey, hey, girl, what have you been doing? You know, how's things going? I haven't seen you in a while. Why are you not like up here stomping around in my office anymore? So, I, you know, so I told him some of the projects we were working on and my boss looked at me and he's like, wait, he just like, got up and hugged you. He goes, he didn't even get out of his chair to say hello to me. What did you do? I said, Look, I just, I just got real with him. Mm -hmm. I've had great conversations with him. We were figuring out what he wanted his office to look like. And I finally looked at him one day and I said, Paul, is this office you or is this corporate America? <laughs> what in this office speaks to you? And I literally showed up with a Porsche 911 because I knew he had one and I found a little model of it and I put it somewhere in his office where it's like, you need to have a piece of you in here. Mm. So he could see it when he needed to see it, the reminder of what he was doing, why he was doing it was in his office with him. And, and sometimes we just need to, to get to know people on a different level. 
And I think that's just one of those gifts that I've always had. My dad was an amazing communicator and I learned very early on, very young age, how to just ask people great questions and not worry about whether it was the right question or not. So, I mean, spinning off of the whole questioning thing, and I mean, I think that it makes you a great podcaster as well, right? I mean, like, like that's how we found out about each other through a podcasting networking situation to where they cross-referenced both our backgrounds and said, hey, you guys would be a good fit. And commending that algorithm, I definitely think we are a good fit. So, like, just talk about, like, why did, why did you get into podcasting? And considering that you're talking on stages, you're in corporate America, you have courses, you have books, when did the podcasting kind of slide into your model? Well, the podcasting piece is just, I have explored it many times. And one of the pieces that just kind of fell into place during the pandemic was, how do I get, how do I share my network with other people? Hmm. So I started interviewing people in my network and I really started interviewing them about networking mm. and what they, what they loved about networking, what they experienced about networking, how we had connected, you know, just really highlighting the people in my network in order to continue to put a spotlight on them. It was another way for me to connect people. Mm. And I think that was a beautiful experience for me. I actually have a radio background. I used to be a radio host for a local radio station in my, in my previous community where I used to live and loved that experience. You know, one of the biggest challenges as a podcaster is when you run out of questions, what do you ask next? No different than on radio. Yeah. Right? So think about all the things that we, we grew up listening to radio, radio hosts and how they ask great questions. And, and those questions lead you down a whole different path. And you have to be prepared for that sometimes, right? Like, let's explore what that really means. And that's, again, I, I give my dad a ton of credit for it because he was always such a great communicator. We'd be out in public. And I, and I share this from stage a lot of times, you know, this is where I learned how to, how to communicate with people by watching my dad. We always thought my dad knew everyone. We just figured he knew everyone. You know, as kids, when you see your dad talking to everyone, you think he knows everybody. Yeah. But it was just that he was a great, he, he could literally walk into a crowd of people at Hershey Park or Disney World and strike up a conversation. Next thing you know, everybody in line is like paying attention to one another and having conversations with my, with my dad. They're all laughing. My oldest brother used to walk out of it and he'd be like, oh my gosh, he's embarrassing me again. You know, when you're 16, you get embarrassed by the things that your dad does. But um, yeah, it was beautiful to watch. And I think, you know, I have three brothers. We've all learned how to be great communicators because of my dad. Hmm. It's, a, it's very interesting. I mean, giving your dad credit definitely kind of leads me to like your, your general story, right? I mean, we talked about earlier on about you being an RCA back in the eighties, you just alluded to being on radio and now we're, you know, going into 2020 plus, right? So like, the illusion of someone hearing you, it may be a perception of you being an overnight success, but in reality, how long have you been on this epic odyssey? Well, I would say I've been on this epic odyssey for 58 years and it wow. hasn't stopped. It's going to continue. You know, we, we just bring, we evolve as we learn and we just, we learn new things and pieces that pour into us. You mentioned Donnie earlier. One of the conversations that I've had with Donnie recently was about, you know, 30 second success. He said, People are getting hung up on the ditch, the pitch, and start connecting pieces, but there's so much brilliance in that 30-second success, and he invited me to feel into that more. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always kind of touched on the, the actionable steps that we can take to move us towards success, but now I'm playing with that even more and going deeper, and um, one of the things that I, I have in my bio right now is that I'm writing another book, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've explored, you know, having a series with the 30 second success uh, books, but I actually think the, the foundational piece has to be that, that 30 mm-hmm. second success, what are the actions that we can take to move us into a mindset of success and the choices that we make and how we get there. So I think all of the learning, the different people that come into our lives, the different um, opportunities that we're exposed to, the different workshops and learnings. And I don't know about you, but I have bookshelves, bookshelves of amazing books. And I think my Kindle's just about full at this point. So, you know, I'm always feeding my mind with, with people that are willing to share their brilliance. And I, and I, I feel like I take little snippets, little pieces and, and figure out how to incorporate them into my life in a way that speaks to me. Very nice. Very nice. So, I mean, with that, right, you, you mentioned 58 years of being on this journey, right? Is there one time frame that you can kind of visualize in your mind's eye to say, okay, if I can time travel back to that particular moment and I had five minutes to whisper in my ear something to ideally change the outcome or make where you are happen a lot faster, the question is, when would you go back to and what would you say to yourself? Hmm. I don't think I would. And I've had that question asked to me before. I like how you phrase it. You phrase it a little bit different, like to help yourself move a little bit faster. I, I think the, the the one thing that I would tell my younger self is just trust your gut. Hmm. I think that would help me move much faster. I don't know when I would have said that to myself. Traveling back in time, I don't want to change anything because that everything that I've experienced has gotten to me to where I am now. And I'm pretty happy with where I am now. <laughs> I love what I do. I love where I live. I love my, you know, I have an amazing life with my husband of 35 years and, you know, we're coming up on 35 years next February. So just absolutely, you know, my kids are happy. My family's happy and uh, it's all good. Very cool. So you brought up your dad a few times in this episode so far, right? And you're saying that he's a hell of a communicator. He's a hell of a connector. He's having all these conversations. So like my next question is like, you know, is he or was he an entrepreneur and are you getting your insight and entrepreneurial hustle from not only watching him be a connector, but watching him do business? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. My dad, um, my dad worked all of his life, three jobs. Hmm. So he could raise our, our, his family. You know, he was, he was that guy that got up in the middle of the night, went to work, came home, took a few hours nap and went back. He was a firefighter. Um, we just lost him in November. And, um, but he was always an encourager. My dad always encouraged us to chase our dreams. He was always proud of what his kids accomplished. He would help anybody and everybody. My neighbor across the street used to run uh, fuel delivery trucks. My dad would jump in a truck when Joe was shorthanded. He was just always helping people. And I think that lends to that entrepreneurial spirit um, that was within him, but he was such a hard worker. He was raised in a time and era where you hard work paid off mm-hmm. and he was of that mindset. So I think that was, you know, beautiful gift he gave to all of us. And, um, it's just amazing to, to find that out of his four children, I'm the one that has taken the entrepreneurial journey, but I'm also blessed because I have a husband who works extremely hard to provide for our family as I'm building my business. So, you know, being, 
being able to have that kind of support has been beautiful. And believe it or not, my brothers all have wives who are entrepreneurs. So it must run somehow in the family that that spirit of, of support and love and creativity all at the same time. So hmm. it's beautiful. It's definitely interesting because I mean, obviously you're saying that your dad, he worked three jobs, right? And your, your husband, he he's working. And, but at the same time, you're building this business. You guys have been married for 35 years. You have kids. So you learn to be a hell of a worker from your dad and also be inspired to inspire others today. So my next question is, is like, how are you currently juggling and managing like your work life? I mean, you're, you're in the grind with your family life. But I think that the thing of it is, is, you know, my kids are grown at this point in time, but as I was establishing my business, my kids were in high school. So it, there was, there were times where I had to kind of take my business, had to take a back seat to raising my children. And that was a choice that I made and being able to still model for them, the strength of being your own boss, of having your own business, of, of tapping into the people in your community. It was a beautiful opportunity for my kids to learn a lot. My, my daughter actually has her own business and is raising two little ones. Hmm. And she knows that th there are certain times where she has to slow down on her business, be able to focus on things that are happening in her kids' lives. And then she can get busy again and, and rely on her husband and her, her support system to help her manage things. And, you know, that's just been a great opportunity to be able to model that for my family. And again, it's not about, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I think balance is one of those things that works different for everyone, mm -hmm. right? It's just looks different and it looks different now than it did when my kids were growing up. You know, so my, my, it's, this is now I'm, I'm kind of doing the whole nine to five gig in, in hopes that in a few more years, I won't have to do the nine to five and I'll only have to do, you know, 15, 20 hours hmm. at the most here and there, depending on what I want. I'm creating a business that's going to give me the time freedom to be able to enjoy life in my new home. We just moved to Florida 18 months ago. My husband and I had it on our vision board and made it happen because we want to be able we you know, talk about archery. We, we want to be able to shoot archery whenever we want. Mm -hmm. So not have to wait for, you know, the the snow and the and the cold weather to break so we can shoot archery is is such a gift. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here. I'm hearing your passion for archery, but I, you know, in a short time that I've known you and and just looking at your your speaking and you know you had opportunity to speak to our networking group as well. I just think like you're going to be like 80, 90 years old, and your passion is not going to change. You're never going to just sit still. You may shoot the arrow for an hour, but for every hour you shoot an arrow, you're going to be talking to someone or educating someone for the rest of your life. And you could correct me if I'm wrong, but what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, it's so funny because somebody said to me, where, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself selling your business? Do you see yourself leaving it as a legacy to your kids? Do you already do you just see yourself doing this forever? And I'm like, you know what? I love what I do. I, I, I can't ever see myself retiring from it. You know, it's, I, I, I might train someone else how to take up the gauntlet when I'm done, but this is, it's who I am. And it gives me so much energy and keeps me moving, keeps me moving forward, keeps me motivated. I love helping people. I love connecting people. And I can't see that ever changing. Might slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, I know amazing people who just, you know, they, they, just keep going. And that's how I want to be. 
Very cool. So, I mean, with the ending with that sentence about you continuing to keep going, obviously, like in today's world, health is wealth, right? So, like talking about like your morning routines, your morning rituals, what do you do on a day-to-day basis when you wake up? So, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is usually start with it with some prayer, some good strong coffee, and a walk with my dog Knox. He's my my office manager. He keeps things he keeps things calm around here. Um, so I love spending time in the morning. Yes, there's definitely a routine. I'm a big proponent of having that morning and evening routine. It's something that I learned years ago from reading the compound effect with Darren Hardy Mm. and, you know, just having that routine is so important. So there's always, I start with, you know, that good clarity of mind, the peacefulness out, you know, taking the walk with the dog. A lot of times I find that's when a lot of ideas come to me. So I pull my, my phone out and otter my thoughts. Um, so that's a lot of fun to be able to do. And then I usually, I'm either in the pool or, you know, running on my bike before, before I sit down at my desk at some, about eight o'clock, eight 30 in the morning. So, um, yeah, just getting into that, having that routine of, you know, where we're getting, collecting my thoughts, mm-hmm. um, in that the quiet hours of the morning is, is super important to me. It's funny that, that you name your dog Knox, and the first thing that pops in my mind is like the school of hard knocks. And I would think that you of all people would probably name your dog after that statement. So what's the story behind Knox? Is it after the school of hard knocks? Like how did he come up with that name? So Knox came with his name. He we rescued him when he was two, but he is the color of gold. So think about Fort Knox. Okay. Fair enough. Fair and enough. it is sm- it is spelled K-N-O-X. Very cool. Yeah, but it's very fitting for him. He's a, he's a great dog. He is, uh, he's quite a, quite a great rescue. Yeah. He's almost 10 years old now. Wow. Wow. Very cool. So earlier on, you talked about books. You talked about your books. I think just now you just made a, a recommendation for a book that, that you read as well. So this next question, it's, it's a three-part question. The first part of the question is like in that 58 years of, you know, growing and developing businesses and, and working from RCA and watching your dad connect and being such a great networker, what books helped you to get you to where you are? Question one. Question two is obviously you're saying you have tons of books. Your your Kindle is completely full. What books are you actively reading right now? Question two. And question three is since you are an author and you have written a book or two, just talk about your next book and kind of what are you planning on delivering and what's the value out of that new book? That's question three. So back to question one, the books on your journey. So I guess the the one that really sticks out to me, it be besides the one that I mentioned, um, Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect is one that I read regularly. I, you know, just about every year, every other year, I make sure that I read through that. There's some really great insights into the work that we do and just, you know, how things compound and roll forward and and setting yourself up for those good routines of success and great reminders in that book. The other books that I absolutely love are Bob Berg's series, The Go-Giver. You know, having the right heart. Um, I love how he writes. He writes very, um, speak in, in almost in story format, so it's an easier read. And, um, oh, sorry, my popped up. Something popped up on my screen. Sorry. <laughs> um, but then, you know, so those books are, are books that, and of course, Mel Robbins, love all of her books. You know, they're, they're just, they speak to me. I love her work and everything that she's doing. Um, the book, the second part to that was um, 
the books that are on my shelf and what I'm reading right now. Um, I just finished Donnie's book, F to Focused. I'm like, <laughs> I have a hard time with that title, but I'm okay with the book. Book is awesome. So just finished that. And, you know, it, it just, it inspires me. I, I love business books. So business books that really kind of push me, kind of get me thinking, get me out of my own head space, mm -hmm. really important for me. Another one that I'm reading right now, it's called, um, and I have it right here, is One Small one small Step Can Change Your Life. It's The Kaizen Way by Robert Maurer. Um, it's really about those small those questions, right? Those uh, thought-provoking questions that we can ask ourselves to move forward. So really, it's kind of a little bit more on the research side for my next book, which is 30 Second Success. So I was actually, I have a whole series in mind to go along with 30 Second Success, Pitch the Pitch and Start Connecting. But right now I'm, I'm really focusing on the foundational book of 30 Second Success. Hmm. Very cool. So, I mean, I think, I think it's very cool that you brought up the five second rule by, by Mel. So if anyone that's associated to Mel, and I'm going to say this, if they're listening, I'm, I'm thinking the 30 seconds plus the five seconds. And I think if you kind of bring those two together, I think you guys could definitely come up with like a new like book to kind of deliver. What can you really do in 35 seconds or less? There you go. Yeah. Take that, you know, take the five second rule and put it into place. Same as the, you know, the 30 seconds is really about taking action. What are the things that you can choose to help you? What are the things that you can do in a very short window of time that will move you forward? Right. Is it, is it writing a name down? Is it creating an email? Is it making an introduction? You know, is it, is it um, direct messaging someone? Is it picking up the phone? Those choices that we can make move us into action. And, you know, it's just what's inspiring us to move into action makes a big difference. So holding that picture, the framework of what do I want, mm -hmm. right? What is, what am I going to, what am I going to accomplish today? Making sure you're setting yourself up, you know, very early on in the day for the things that you're trying to accomplish. Don't just wake up in the morning and go, okay, today's another day. Mm -hmm. No, what do I want to accomplish today? Don't just look at your calendar. Look at, you know, what, what, are, what is my goal for today? Set those goals, that, you know, set those margins and being able to move forward makes a big difference. Oh, very cool. Very cool. The other piece that I love about Mel's newest book, and my apologies, the, the title of it is Escaping Me, is about the high five method. Oh. I've gotten into the habit of when something goes really, really well, oh. I run into my husband's office and give him a high five and we celebrate together. It's kind of nice that we both work from home. Otherwise, I'd be high-fiving Knox. <laughs> <laughs> I think Knox will appreciate it either way. He's probably thinking he's going to get a treat because of the high-fives. Yes, this is true. <laughs> and he probably would. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. The high-five method is definitely interesting. I mean, obviously, in the world of COVID, it's kind of, eh, but at the same time, when you have those successes, you're not thinking about anything but the fact that you just made that achievement. So it, it definitely is suitable. Um, my next question is, you know, obviously listening to you and, and, and I think you're a big system person, right? And obviously that have systems in place, that's partly automation or partly software or partly having some kind of system that you can use on a day-to-day -day basis. So my next question is like, what tools or software do you use to be able to have these systems work for you every day? So the systems that I thought, you know, obviously um, I love having a great CRM. My tools that I love to use, Otter is my number one favorite voice to text transcription app that I have on my phone. It's on my desktop. It's on my laptop. It's on my tablet. 
it's everywhere because I want to be able to access all of those those things that I'm you know recording. Um, I record just about everything because if I don't, when I go to write it down, it just escapes me. Mm. <laughs> but that being said, the other the other tool that I love to use is Remarkable. Um, I have. I've basically streamlined all of my paperwork. Everything is on my Remarkable tablet now. It's one of those uh, paper tablet type of deals. Um, what I like about it is everything is organized into files. I have everything, you know, all my procedures are on there, all of my, everything that helps me to, to stay on track for the things that I want to get done. I'm able to tag everything, whether I need to follow up with someone, there's tag opportunities in there. Um, and again, I can access it from my tablet, my laptop, my desktop, everywhere. Um, so it's a great software. Um, the other piece that keeps me in alignment and helps me with my workflows is a, a an app that I've been using for years called 17 Hats. Hmm. And 17 Hats is one of those programs that allows me to create all of my documents, whether it's my contracts, my my invoice. I can do all my invoicing from there. I can you know, track my CRM, my clients, my my leads, everything can be tracked right from there. So it's a great tool to use. And those are the things that I, those are the top three that I use the most. Hmm. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously when, when you're dealing with clients, right? And I think earlier on, I alluded to probably one of your avatars is essentially being um, a hardworking woman in corporate America, but ideally you have more than one avatar. So let's talk about who's your ideal customer. Who's the ideal person that would you deliver would give them the best outcome. So the, the, and that's a really great question. And one of the things that I would love to share with you is um, up until, probably up until a few months ago, I was really saying that my perfect client or my ideal client was entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals, right? Busy professionals. But what I found when I started looking back over my client list, you know, over the past several years, I really just came to discover that the people that I love working with, the people that need my services the most are consultants, coaches, and service providers. Mm. So thinking about those folks and really tailoring my messaging to speak to them in a way that connects with the emotion that they're feeling around their business and their communicate struggles with communications, their struggles with attracting the right clients, that has helped transition me into having deeper conversations with people. So I highly recommend to folks, a lot of times, look at your client list. Mm -hmm. You might be surprised to discover that there's one particular client that you absolutely love working with, one type of client that you absolutely love working with, that is showing up for the most part quite frequently in your client list. And, and you know, start thinking about really tailoring more of your message to them you're going to attract other clients. That's a given, right? I still attract a lot of professionals. I still attract a lot of corporate clients, especially when they're talking about how do we, you know, how do we get our message out to the world? How do we get our, our people talking about the company that, you know, opens up more opportunity. Um, but in the meantime, you know, having the right message and being really succinct about that when you're communicating with those ideal clients makes it a lot easier for them to find you. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. So if you can speak to that particular avatar and you can give them words of wisdom, right? And they're, they're coming to you and they're, you know, obviously they may be talking about design and be talking about their business, talking about branding, and they're kind of scatterbrained, which most business professionals usually are when they have these new ideas. How would you kind of help guide them to that next level? 
I'm helping them, you know, get collect all the of their ideas. The biggest piece is understanding the strategy. Get all of get all that stuff out of your head. <laughs> it's like just get it out of your head. I love working with post-it notes. Notes, and I tell people all the time, get all of your ideas out, and then really kind of collect them into how they connect with one another. What are the different ideas that connect with one another that really focus on your ideal client? Again, understanding who that ideal client is first and foremost. That's really who you have to be speaking about, speaking to and about, right? If you're putting a message out there that's scattered or today I'm, today I'm doing workshops, tomorrow I'm doing masterminds, Next week I'm doing courses. Next week I'm doing that. But I but each and every one of them is tailored to a different avatar. It confuses your market. They don't know how to recommend you. They don't know how to connect you with people. They don't understand what it is that you are doing in a way that helps them connect you with who you're supposed to meet and who they know needs your help. So when you can become very clear about who it is that you serve how you serve them and why they need you everybody in your community under can then understand that and figure out who how to help you mm -hmm. right they can figure out how to connect you very cool so i mean with that said how does someone get in contact with you if they want to work with you do you have a website social media what's the next step yeah. And yes, so everything is branded. 30secondsuccess.com is my website. All of my all of my social media is 30 Second Success as well. And so that's really easy to find me. So and you spell it, you know, it's the number 30 and then spell out second and success. Somebody actually asked me one time, was it, well, is it three, two, and D? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> So it's interesting um, you know, how to connect. But yeah, so everything's branded 30 Second Success for a reason. Easy to find me. Very cool. So that leads us into our, our bonus questions. And I like to kind of like, you know, circle around the podcast and kind of leave it on like a more uh, funny note. So my next question is more so about your archery. Now, are you talking about compound bows, Japanese yomi, or you're talking about like traditional bow and arrow? So for the for, for the most part, we shoot compound. Okay. Um, but I have crossbow and I also have a recurve. So and I've taught compound and recurve. So out of all the things, I mean, obviously you hear about people. Oh yeah, I took up yoga. Oh, I'm taking up mixed martial arts. Maybe I'm taking up rock climbing. I'm taking up sailing. Uh, maybe I'm riding a dirt bike. Why and how did you get into crossbows and bows and arrows? Archery has been in my family for years. My husband shot archery as a child and my he still had his bow when my kids were growing up. And my daughter, when she was about eight years old, started asking him to show her. And then she wanted to learn how. And then he found a place that we could take the kids to for lessons and, and they started going. And so then we started going and we got into it. And we, then we started teaching the class. <laughs> Um, and then we all we we all became certified instructors mm -hmm. with USA Archery. So and we keep maintain our our, our instructor status with USA Archery. We've uh, my husband and I are my husband's level three. I'm a level two, and our kids at one point were both level ones. Mm -hmm. um, so they would be able to help us when we were teaching the little ones. You know, I would love to watch my daughter work with you know five year olds when it came to shooting archery. It was amazing to have that 
Um, one of the things that I absolutely love about archery, it's a family sport. I was able to shoot, literally shoot on a line in a competition with my husband and my two children. So, you know, it's one of the few sports that you can do right alongside your kids. And it's pretty cool. So I, I envision you, you know, right now I'm seeing the whole Robin Hood in green, but again, I'm going to ask you the question. If you could be a superhero, who would you be and why? Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, I, I can yeah. definitely see that. I just, I like that, you know, the whole lasso thing. And I just, I think she is an, and it's the Linda Carter Wonder Woman, right? A heart for saving humanity. So um, gotcha. I, I just, uh, you know, and of course, you know, at some point in time, you want to have those really cool bracelets that you can go. <laughs> yeah. And, and traditionally she's, she's an Amazonian and they, they run around with bows and arrows as well too. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, right. Uninterrupted for those 24 hours, that person could be dead or alive. Right. Who would it be and why? It'd be my dad. I miss him. I wish I had I wish I had more time to ask before he started um, struggling with uh, memory loss. I wish I had more time to ask him mm-hmm. better questions. But I think even even on that journey, I think your dad had an opportunity to see you progress and migrate through the different obstacles and overcome them to where you are right now. So before he passed away, I mean, I, I would think he had a sense of pride. Oh, absolutely. My dad was always, always telling us how proud he was of all of us, all of the, all of the kids, all the grandkids. He just took great joy in, in the accomplishments of his family and would sit back and just smile. He just smile. He just took it all in and hmm. was very, very content with how his children have, have done really good things. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So going into closing, you are a fellow podcaster, so this should be completely natural to you. At the end of my show, I like to give whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to become the host of the Boston Cage podcast, and we switch roles. You get an opportunity to interview me. So what questions do you have for me? Okay, so what inspired you to to start Boss Uncaged? So, and I think my, my listeners have probably heard variations of this story so many different times, right? But it, the reality is, it's kind of like, I'm always a big thinker and I always think big, 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 big and how to interact and, and compound different things. And unfortunately, I burnt myself out and I had a stroke. So when I had that stroke and I woke up and it was just kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? And I always say that like my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife right now, she told me like, okay, it's time for you to brand yourself. It's time for you to come from behind the curtain. And that kind of gave me an opportunity to say, okay, like, what am I really going to do? Am I going to become like a YouTuber or a podcaster? And because I, I'm not like the A-type personality person, I was like, oh, I'll become a podcaster, see how it goes. And in, in doing that, I kind of found myself and it was like, well, shit, I should have been a podcaster back in 2000. Like if I had done that to begin with, there was no telling where I would have been right now. But I had to go through that rite of passage to become who I am. And now with the journey that I'm on is essentially taking Boss and Cage to a global platform, which is it's there now. But it gives the opportunity for small business owners and entrepreneurs to learn from people like you. And also gives opportunity for me to leave a legacy behind. So like you saying with your dad, once I'm dead and gone, now my voice would live on forever, inspiring the next generation and the generation after that. That's beautiful. So out of all the books you've written, mm-hmm. which one made the most difference in your life? 
the pivotal point was like my last book because again before it was i was writing books about success about passion about vision and just like you you know you have to kind of figure out like your your, your journey and who you're communicating to so my last book essentially was a journal and I, I did that as a as a pivoting point to say okay you know what this journaling book is going to allow an individual person to harness many books, dozens of books into one book. And like what you're doing with Otter, you're recording all this different information, but you're using Otter as the database. So this journal becomes the central database to capture all that information. But now all the books that I'm going to deliver after that are going to be more strategized books. It's going to be books about branding, books about podcasting, books about, you know, um, growth strategy. And like, like, that's my wheelhouse. Like, that's my passion. And because I'm a podcaster, I finally came into my own and now I know exactly what books to write and why. Gotcha. So Yoda, Han Solo, or Luke Skywalker, which one do you align with the most? Yoda. I would say I'm a hybrid between Yoda and Darth Vader. Like literally. <laughs> so that's why you have one on one shoulder and one on the other. <laughs> when I describe myself, I always say I'm 50% analytical and 50% creative. I am split directly down the middle. I'm a representation of the yin and yang. And when I think about Star Wars and you think about the timeless e epic of Star Wars, Yoda and Vader kind of have that, that synergy to where they both made it to the epitome of the highest point that they could possibly go. But they were so polar opposite as well. Gotcha. So just so you know, Knox loves to make Wookiee noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Is he is he fuzzy yeah. like 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 a Wookiee or I mean No, not at all. He's like he's got like this short hair thing going on. Yeah. He's he's not fuzzy at all. My last dog was, but not Knox. But he does know how to make Wookiee noises. So it's fun. Well at least um, yeah. at least I know he's gonna dress up for Halloween, right? So Yeah, there you go. We're gonna have to find that costume for him. Very so tell me, um, tell me how someone would, would ha what would be the best um, introduction for you? Who are you looking to meet? So how, how can I share, how, how could someone share your work with their community? I mean, much like multiple different businesses, there's different avatars, but the avatar that I'm honing in and I'm working with right now and I want to get more of is essentially a founder, right? And it's not just any founder. It's a founder that's more so that understands the discipline of finance and financial attributes to any business versus a founder that's more so a coder or a developer. And I'm saying the difference between the two because the platform that I'm looking for in this founder is a founder of a SaaS platform, a founder of a SaaS company. And when, when I say a founder that's coding versus a founder that's financial, those are two different personality traits. The coder guy, only thing he cares about is the code and development of that product. The SaaS guy that understands the finance is more so about how to scale that company, how to grow that company, how to monetize that company, and potentially sell the company. Two different states of mind. So this is the person that I'm ideally looking for. And what we're promoting and talking to directly to them is something that we came up with. It's called internal podcasting. And it's not external to where it can be syndicated or, or it could be an RSS feed. It could be all these different things. But it's more so for your internal team. It gives your team opportunity to learn about the community that they work in. And it gives them opportunity to learn about the VP or learn about the president or learn about the trades that the company's doing. It's kind of like a blog, 
but essentially it's more of audio. And then you have all this information consolidated into one platform. And again, like I'm doing with my brand is I'm leaving a legacy behind. What would it look like 10 years from now if IBM had started 10 years ago with a podcast? What would mm. it look like if Apple had a podcast when Steve Jobs was there and now Steve Jobs is dead and gone, but the new employees can then go back to Steve Jobs podcast from 20 years ago? That, to me, is what we're really missing in corporate America to kind of carry the legacy of those brands on. That's beautiful. I love that. And there's a strength in that. It's one of the things that I, I love about being able to communicate well within corporate. And the thing, one of the things that I loved about working for RCA mm -hmm. was how they educated their employees weekly. What are the projects we're working on? What are the results we're having? Who do you need to connect people with? There's that beautiful piece of people getting to know one another in a very large corporation or even a small corporation in that respect. So, um, all right. So that's a, that's a great piece for me to know who to connect you with. And I love that. So tell me a little bit more about the corporate side of it, right? Tell me a little bit more about that platform that you're building and where one would kind of tie, what would be a good tie-in for you? What would be a good introduction um, when when looking for someone in that arena? So, I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about like the systems in place, right? So right now we're calling it the Boston Cage Podcast Accelerator. And when, when you're bringing someone into that, I mean, ideally what we're going to be talking to is maybe it starts off with three or four people, right? It doesn't have to be the entire company because what we're going to do is educate you on how to build the systems behind the scenes. And if you don't want to build the systems, the least you can do is take our online course to figure out the, the, the nuances of what you may or may not need to manage. And then you potentially could hire my team and my staff to build it, develop it, integrate it, and then kind of hand it over kind of a done-for-you service. So that way your company could then start not from scratch, but at least start at a particular level to where things are already rolling for you and then see how or who would raise their hand in the company to say, hey, I would love to become the interviewer to interview people. Hey, I would love to do some editing. Because again, a lot of people in companies, they have other passions, but they don't have the outlets. So this can kind of give them a universal platform to scale at any given different direction based upon who's going to raise their hand in their company. Um, so with that, I say generally connecting me with someone that may be talking about, hey, we have 20 employees or 40 employees and they're trying to figure out community. Mm. They're trying to figure out an opportunity to make, you know, obviously you can go bowling. You could have Friday drinks. All that is great. But what is the universal community that you can work with inside of your company and your corporation so that way once those people are there or not, then somebody else could be passed the torch. And that's what the real community is about. It's always passing that torch, passing the opportunity down to the next generation. I like that. I like that passing the torch piece of it. So for you then, um, internally, obviously it's somebody who's speaking about community, speaking about culture within an organization. What, is the founder the, the right fit for you? Or is it someone who's actually maybe focused in the, whether it's in the marketing or the HR department that is, is understanding um, exactly what it is that you're trying to accomplish? Or is there a different role that, that one could be looking for to connect you with? I mean, obviously there's multiple roles. I mean, it could be a, a, the chief marketing officer. It could be the creative director, but ideally what I've learned, especially since I've been a podcaster, 
the person that I'll have an opportunity to talk to directly is going to be the founder. Because again, I can interview him on a podcast and giving them the opportunity to communicate and talk. And then we can build that trust between both of us in this communication. And then they could delegate it down the pipeline. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way to do it. So you're giving them the experience of working with you, what the, what the podcast can do for their business and, and having that relationship right there. So beautiful way to start a relationship with your potential clients right there is, is, uh, inviting more founders to be on the Boston caged. Yep. And it's just, the irony is it's like, I'm a real big lifetime deal guy. So, you know, going through AppSumo and going through all these different platforms, I had opportunities to probably in, interview maybe five founders from platforms that I've purchased and used and talked to them. One of them was the founder of Bcast, which my podcast is hosted on and telling his story and how he got on TEDx and how he was selling male version of Spanx and how did that convert into a podcast? It's, it's, it, you don't get that from talking to the creative director. Like you, ha- you have to talk to the source of like, how did you even get to the point to where you're creating a platform for podcasters when you were talking about something completely different 10 years ago? Right, right. And that makes so much sense. You know, a lot of times just inviting someone to a conversation makes a big difference. So how can people, um, what's the best way for us to then tap into your community? and to spend more time with you and understand the depth of, of the connections that you have and how we can connect you with our community. So I'm always building on, on different facets. I mean, obviously there's LinkedIn, there's Facebook. Um, I'm actually starting my own offline community from Facebook right now, kind of like what, what Donnie has done with his community on Circle. And in addition to that, obviously there's a Boston Cage app that we're working on finishing up the Apple side of it, but the Android side is done. So this app essentially plugs into everything and all things Boston Cage. So anything that new that pops up would be integrated into this app. And I think that's like the most universal way. And obviously just going to bostoncage.com just makes things simple as well to kind of figure out who we're talking to, who we're communicating with. And I'm also developing, and it's already out there, but I haven't marketed yet, but a Boston Cage directory. So every time when somebody fills out the form for Boston Cage, they're giving me all their information about who they are, who they're looking for, their bio, their social media profiles. So why not put that into an online directory so that way other people could kind of come through and say, you know what? Hey, I'm looking for someone like Laura. How do I get in contact with her? Yeah, I heard the episode, but I'm looking for the direct link. I want to connect with her on Twitter. Or I want to connect with her on LinkedIn. How do I do that? Well, you can go to the Boston Cage directory and everyone I've ever interviewed will be there. Yeah, that's great. I love that you're building a community as well. And, I, and I'm seeing a lot of people that are starting communities. And that's one of the things that um, I find, like, I want to be everywhere, right? So, so ex- tell us what the advantage is of being part of a community and how your community is, is designed to help people grow their businesses. So the community thing is, 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 is difficult, but it's easy at the same time. I mean, obviously you could leverage all the social media platforms in the world, but you have to kind of essentially pick one. A lot of people today, because they talk business, centralized on LinkedIn. But unfortunately, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all TikTok, they all are based upon algorithms. And the algorithms are essentially based upon pay to play. So yes, there's tricks of the trade. And yes, there's opportunities to use hashtags. But you're never going to be able to communicate with 100% of your community unless you're paying to play in that space. So now you're starting to see the migration to offline platforms to where if I post something and say, hey, guys, I have an event today at 5 o'clock show up 
everyone that's in that community will get it because the algorithm is not fighting against me. The algorithm is working for me. It's going to de deliver that content to all of my community versus 10% or 1% of the community. And that's the hurdle in today's online communities. The reason why people have a million followers is because they're only talking to 10% of them at a time. They're not talking to 1 million people all the time. If that was the case, all the servers would crash. Think about that. Right. They're not right. communicating yeah. with all of them. They're communicating with a small fraction. And if the, if the more people that like and share, and I do, I do experiments all the time on my Facebook. If I post something with like my family, we're doing something, I know nine out of 10 times, I'm going to get a larger communication from people because they're going to see more into my life. They're going to click. And the more they click, the more they like, the more they comment, the algorithm is going to work for me. So what I usually do is I surround those posts with two business posts. It may be a podcast episode. It may be an announcement. And then I put that family post in the middle because by default, if someone's looking at this post, they may scroll down to the post before or the post after. So again, systems and strategy come into play, but you shouldn't have to do all that. I should be able to say, hey, if you're already following me on Boston Cage and hey, I have a new interview today with Laura at 10 o'clock, show up, I should be able to tell all 5,000 people versus 50 people. Yeah, that's beautiful. I've never really thought about that. You know, and I, and I, I understand how the algorithm works because Frankly, a lot of times I see stuff in my feed and I'll look at my notifications before I look at my feed because I don't want to miss some engagement piece, some uh, something important that someone has already shared with me. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard to just, I mean, you're only on there for a few minutes, hopefully only on for a few minutes. You shouldn't be spending the whole day on there. And it can, you can um, be, number one, you can be overwhelmed by the amount of content that's coming at you. Number two, it's not always what you're looking for. Yep. Right. So there's there's that piece as well. So I like the idea of a community and I, I, I see the benefits of it. Thank you for sharing that insight. I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, I, so, I, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just I just I think that's beautiful what you're doing. And the other piece that was intriguing to me is about the app. So at some point in time, we're definitely going to have to have a conversation about app development because it's always in the back of my mind and it intrigues me a lot. Yeah. And, and there's so much different things with, with apps. I mean, you don't have to build an app from scratch no more. I mean, in today's world, there's no code apps. And there's, again, you just have to figure out, like, what are you delivering? How do you want to communicate? And then you place it into an app. And a lot of it is drag and drop stuff in today's world. So, yeah, offline, we could definitely talk about that. And I could definitely guide you in the right direction on how to develop that. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. So Thank I, you. I, I appreciate you. I mean, I think you came on this show. I think we've only, and the way we're communicating, we seem like we've known each other for 20 years I and mean, really we've only known each other less than 20 days, <laughs> like literally like less than a month. We've gotten the connection with each other. So I definitely appreciate the algorithm working in our favor in this way for sure. And I appreciate all the information and the passion that you delivered for what you do. And, 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 and not just the passion that you delivered, but the insight on how to help people and how to utilize that 30 second window as an opportunity versus being fearful of communicating. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's been a pleasure to be here with you. I feel the same. I feel like I've known you for quite some time and it, it is hard to believe that we've only met, you know, a few weeks ago. So it, it is fun to, to get to know you and I and I appreciate you being open and honest and, and bold enough to just put such great content out into the world. So thank you for allowing me to be part of that. The pleasure's all mine. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. 
don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.